Have you ever picked up a telephone only to hear somebody else's conversation kind of like off in the distance? That's crosstalk. Have you ever toned out a cable and then hear your toner in the distance on other cables? That's crosstalk. Well, why are we talking about crosstalk today? We're talking about EMI and how it impacts the performance of your cable on episode 13. So come with us. Don't hang up that phone. We've found what you're looking for. Welcome to the Five Minutes with RCDD podcast. Well, seeing how we're pulling category 6A, the most powerful twisted pair in the world. You gotta ask yourself this one question Did I pull 295 or 300 feet? Well, do you feel lucky? Do you punk? In this podcast, you'll learn the differences between a 66 and 110 punch tool, the proper way to install a support cable, along with terminating and testing parameters. What exactly does RCDD stand for? Really can't do diddly? (laughs) (laughs) Or just some guy that's just sitting around in a chair making podcasts. So join us as we talk about the ever-changing world of telecommunications. From ISP to OSP. From copper to fiber. Design to installation. Now send the new guy to the truck for a bucket of dial tone and the cable stretchers. While you listen to an informative program on telecommunications, here's your host, Chuck Bowser, RCDD. Welcome to the show where we tackle questions that are submitted by installers, project managers, estimators, IT personnel, and customers. On this show, we help connect at the human level so that we can connect the world. If you're watching this show on YouTube, would you mind hitting the subscribe button and the bell button for notification when new projects are released, new programs are released? If you're listening to this on iTunes or Stitcher or some other podcast form, give us a, give us a rating. It helps us beat the algorithm. So that way, this message can get out to more people. And then finally, have you submitted your email for the contest, the free Big C Pocket Guide contest? What? You haven't? Make sure you go to bit.ly, bit.ly forward slash CBRCDD contest. Again, that's bit.ly forward slash CBRCDD contest for your chance to win one. The winner will be notified on December 20th. And this show is being recorded Thanksgiving week. This is Monday. Just to kind of give you a heads up, there will be no after hours live session on this Thursday. We will resume on December 3rd with a show about topologies, bus versus ring versus star. We certainly hope to see you there on that podcast on LinkedIn Live. So let's get started with our conversation about EMI and RFI. EMI and RFI, they're very similar, but they're different. The way we treat them, the way we handle them, the way we mitigate them. EMI is electromagnetic interference. It's from, it's electromagnetic. It's 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 electrical signals. RFI is radio frequency interference, or radio waves that's interfering with your cable. EMI and RFI can happen on any category-rated insulated conductors inside of any cable, and it will happen if you don't take steps to mitigate it and will affect the performance of your cable. But before we talk about EMI, first we have to talk about the construction of a cable because I have to assume that 
not everybody listening to this podcast is a technician and they know it. I might have an IT person who's never, never even touched a cable before. So there's a difference between a cable and a wire. Don't call it a Cat 5E wire. It's not a wire. It is a cable. A wire is a single conductor. A cable is a, an assembly of multiple conductors. So the first component is the outer jacket. The jacket could be made out of different types of material, plenum rating, riser rating. Those materials also affect its ability to absorb or ward off EMI. Getting underneath that jacket, oh, by the way, the jacket also is made in various thicknesses. And also they do things to the jacket, like make them fluid and stuff like that for heat dissipation for certain types of cabling. Getting underneath that jacket, then you're going to have some non-conductive filler elements. Probably the most common is going to be the rip cord. So if you strip off the jacket, you're going to find this little string. That string is so you can actually grab a hold of it and pull it along the axis of the cable and, and tear the jacket along with it. That way you, you can cut the jacket back at that point and not have any nicks or shiners on your conductors. Some other examples of non-conductive filler elements include string, tape, and probably the most common, some type of a cross-web separator to help keep those pairs away from each other if we have the higher frequency cables. Cables are, you know, category-graded cables are divided into different performance ratings. You have category one. Well, actually, there is no category one. <laughs> category one is the old POTS cabling. Category two cabling, which was actually used for the four megabit per second IBM stuff. But the real one that was really labeled anything was actually category three, which is made strictly for 10-base T Ethernet. Category 4, which is around literally for about two weeks. Category 5E, which was originally designed for 100 megabit service. And then later on, um, sorry, Cat 5 was made for 100 megabit service. Cat 5E was made for 1,000 megabit service. Cat 6 is rated up to 250 megahertz. And Cat 6A is rated to 500 megahertz. Now, the difference when you, between this category of cables and the signals that we're using is the number of pairs that we're using. For the anything from Cat5e down, we're only using two pairs or four conductors inside of that cable. Cat6a and above, we're using all four pairs. So we really got to pay attention to how electricity and radio signals affect the performance of those cables. Generally, when you look at the, the cable, the, if you look at them, you'll notice that each of those pairs, there's a blue pair, an orange pair, a green pair, and a brown pair. Generally, those pairs are all twisted at different rates. The more twist per inch, the more protection you have from EMI. That's why you'll, when you look at a Category 6A cable and compare it to Category 3 or Category 5E, you notice it has a lot more twists. Now, the disadvantage to that is it makes it more difficult to terminate. And also, generally, when you get the CAT6 and CAT6A, the conductors are going to be 22 or 23-gauge conductor instead of 24-gauge, like for Categories 5E and Category 3, which makes them bigger, which makes them a little bit harder to get inside the termination field to terminate. As a general rule, you want to make sure that you untwist those pairs the least amount as possible. Here's a good tech tip for you. When you're terminating those jacks, Take that cable jacket all the way up to the point of termination. That means all the way up to the patch panel, to the very edge of the IDC field, the insulation displacement contact. Same thing with the jacks. Take that jacket all the way up to the very back side of the jack. That way, the amount of conductors that are open or exposed will be very little. It'll be, actually be less than a quarter of an inch, which is what you really want to aim for anyway. 
that category rated cable is a balanced cable, meaning that we take that signal and we actually break it up and we put part of the signal down one conductor and the other signal down the other conductor. As energy goes down a cable, it creates an electromagnetic field around that conductor. We can control which way that field turns. So on one conductor, it's going to be turning clockwise. And then on the other conductor, it's turning counterclockwise. That way, they're 180 degrees opposed from each other. So when, when they're twisted together, they cancel each other out. But you also will notice that if you ever strip off the jacket off a cable, the four pairs are also twisted around each other in a certain way as well. That helps also the performance. So what does EMI consist of? It consists of three components, an interfering source, a susceptible unit, and a coupling between those two. Now, going back and looking at the telephone call that we were talking about before, the interfering unit is the telephone call. The susceptible unit is the other pair that the other people were on, and the distance between them is the coupling. When you look at your toning cable, the interfering source is the tone generator, the susceptible unit is the pair that's adjacent to it, and the distance between them is the coupling. The further apart you take those, the less interference you'll have. Here's a, try, a trick next time you have this. If you're toning out cables in a closet and you hear the signal bleeding over, when you finally find the cable that you know is the one that you're toning out, take that cable and pull it away from the bundle and then put your probe up to the other cables as you're doing it. You'll notice that the sound goes away. So EMI is divided into two major categories. You have internal interference and external interference. Internal interference includes near-end crosstalk, far-end crosstalk, power-sum near-end crosstalk, and power-sum far-end crosstalk. Now, this is why I explained about the cable construction earlier on just a few minutes ago. Near-end crosstalk is how much one pair, let's say, for example, this one is going to be the blue pair, interferes with another pair, let's say the, that pair is going to be the orange pair, at the near end of the cable. So at my end, the blue pair is interfering with the orange pair of the cable. That's near-end crosstalk. So if I wanted to fix near-end crosstalk, I would not go to the other end of the cable to re-terminate it. It would be at my end. Some of the testers will tell you which end that crosstalk is happening on. If it doesn't, you're just going to have to re-terminate both sides and, and retest that cable. Far end crosstalk would be how much that blue pair interferes with the orange pair at the far end of the cable, i.e. your end of the cable. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be the blue or the orange pair. It could be any of those pairs within the bundle, but it's just how much one pair interferes with another pair inside the cable. It's called internal interference because all this interference is happening inside of the cable. Then we have the power sum crosstalks. Power sum near end crosstalk and power sum far end crosstalk. Power sum nearing crosstalk is how much the three pair, the orange, the green, and the brown, interfere with that last remaining pair, i.e. the blue pair, at the near end of the cable. Power sum far end crosstalk is how much those three pair interfere with that last remaining pair at the far end of the cable. Now let's talk about external interference. That's known as alien crosstalk. Alien crosstalk is how much one cable interferes with another cable as it's going down the cable pathway. Initially, when our first industry came out with Cat 6A cable, they were telling installers to do what's called randomization, meaning when you laid the cables in the cable tray, no two cables could run next to each other for any long distances because if they did, they would interfere with each other. I just thought of this. You know when the first twisted pair cable was? 
Alexander Graham Bell when he did the telephone, uh, the telegraph, as they would run two conductors down the t- down the lines, and every pole they would switch them, and then that way the 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 tip would be on one side, the ring would be on the left side, and then the other telephone pole they would flip them, so they were actually twisting it at the poles to reduce the effects of EMI. So alien crosstalk, because of the way that we generate make our cables nowadays, you don't necessarily have to randomize. Most of the manufacturers will give you warranties if you cable comb the cables, which is a blessing for most, most cable installers because we take pride in how well we can dress the cable. We like it making look like art. The better it is visually, the more the happier we are. We will spend sometimes a lot of time doing that. Again, it's called external interference because it's that interference is happening outside of the cable. Another term that you might hear that some people get confused with is EMC, electromagnetic compatibility. EMC means that those two, those two things do not interfere with each other. Those two cables or those two pairs don't interfere with each other. That's EMC. Now let's finish out the, this podcast here with how do you mitigate EMI? The simplest and easiest way Buy a high-quality cable twist for the performance level. And then when you terminate that cable, do not untwist the pairs. If you untwist the pairs, you will affect the performance. Another way that you can do it is use what's called a shielded cable or a discontinuously shielded cable or a screened cable. It's got that metallic full shield in it, and then when the signal tries to propagate out of that cable, it, it dissipates on the full shield and does not interfere with the cable laying adjacent to it. Or finally, another way that you can mitigate your EMI sources is to basically put one put a put that cable in a conduit system or some kind of a metallic tray. That way it doesn't interfere, interfere with others. So obviously the cheapest way is going to be don't untwist the pairs. That's going to be the easiest way. So I hope this answered your question about what EMI is and what RFI is. And if you have any other questions about it, be sure to shoot us an email. Chuck at 5minuterCDD.com. Until next time, guys, be safe. That's it for this episode of today's podcast. We hope you were able to learn something. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on future content. Also, leave a rating so we can help even more people learn about telecommunications. Until next time, be safe.